Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this fine day? Amen. Would we, uh, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to touch us today and and touch this lesson that we would uh, we would gain and glean from His Word today, and that um, and pray for any needs that are in the house, um, and just ask Him to bless this day and bless our other classes and everything that's going on on this campus. Dear Lord, we thank you today for for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your promises, Lord. We ask you to touch and move in this service, Lord, and in the. Uh, the next service, God, we ask you just to move across this campus, Lord, and let your word just begin to bud forth, Lord, and spring forth, God, and bring life in those classes and touch hearts and change instances and change stories today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Today I'm going to be, um, be teaching on kingdom values. And we're going to be talking, and if you would, you would like to ch- turn to um, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, we'll read 17 through 31, and you can remain seated because it's probably going to be a little bit lengthy, but not, not too bad. And, um, and we're going to kind of just kind of unpack this story today. I know a lot of times our lessons go all over the place, and they'll touch a lot of different stories, but this one here just kind of resides in, in uh, this story, which it's, uh, which it's mirrored in the Gospels, but we're going we're gonna to kind of approach it from uh, Mark chapter 17, and if you're there, say amen. If not, I think they've got it on the screen for us. And when he was gone forth in the way, there came one running, and he referencing Jesus. When Jesus was gone forth in the way, there came forth came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered, And said unto him, Master, all these I have I observed from my youth. And then the focus verses today are are 21 and 22, which says, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. Notice he came running, but he went away grieved. For he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? 
And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto him, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? So, you know, when the Lord says something once or asks a question once, it's important. But when he asks it twice, it's kind of doubly important. So he, he wanted to get their attention. He asked them again how hard it is for the rich man, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? You know, sometimes when the word of God hits our hearts, we look around and say, you know, I don't even think I can even do this. I don't, I don't know if I can even be saved. I mean, he's ever been there before. Where you're like, it leaves you questioning. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to do. And Jesus looked up upon them, saith, with men, it is impossible. With, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. So he was making an emphasis right there. It's like, you can't do it. But with, with me, you can. With God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, where have we heard that before? A little bit later on in Acts, then Peter said unto them, Peter liked to talk a lot, didn't he? Then Peter said unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that have left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with per persecutions, with persecutions. In other words, we still got life. There is that thing called life. There is persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. So we get life on this earth, a blessed life, but it has some persecutions. But then we get eternal life, no persecutions. But many that are first shall be last. And the last, first. In other words, God has a little bit of different order system than this old world does. And how many recognizes this scripture? This scripture, we, we know it as what? The rich, young ruler. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I know uh, Brother Billy Joe asked me in, in the prayer room before service, you know, what, what the lesson was going to be about. And I said, the rich, young ruler. And I said, well... We probably can't relate too much to that because I'm not rich, I'm not too young, and I'm definitely not a ruler. But I think we, can't, we might not can relate. And I was talking to Brother Kuhorn too, before service, talking about some of these lessons. We, as teachers, we have a harder time relating to, or an easier time relating to some other things. And I made the example like, well, if it's about construction or reconstruction or repairing, that kind of follows my life story. And so I relate to those real well. But this rich young ruler stuff, I don't really relate. But I got to kind of thinking about it that we can't relate from the rich young ruler's eyes. Or maybe you can. And if you can, maybe this, this will help you out. But we can relate from the disciples' eyes that, that, the, that the Lord was trying to relay a message to them that, hey, you can't do it on your own. It's going to be impossible on your own. So maybe... One part of this story can relate to you this morning. And in, in our lessons, we have lesson connections, and it's always a, a story about someone that the, the lesson writer um, emphasizes to kind of connect the, 
the lesson to us and relay it into, into real life. And I can say that I, I don't know this lady that, that um, uh, until this lesson, and I started doing a little research on her and I kind of figured, but Pastor Britt, he may know her, he's been around Pentecost. But um, I'm, so I'm going I'm to kind of read her story. And her name is Helen Anderson Cole. And she was a missionary, Brother Pitts. He said, looks like he knows her. He's giving me the nod. So, as a young girl, Helen, Helen Anderson Cole dreamed of being a famous singer. She took walks through the park near her family's home in St. Louis, Missouri. As she, as she sang at the top of her lungs, she naively hoped that Hollywood talent a Hollywood talent scout might hear her and her and uh, and her um, family was impoverished and often lacked basic necessity of life. But Helen dreamed her singing talent would someday rescue her from the de desperate situation. But Helen's voice never did attract attention of Hollywood agent. But it did earn praise from her pastor Harry Branding. Helen met Pastor Branding when her family attended Pentecostal revival services at Mission Hall located at Hickory Streets in St. Louis. When Helen received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, she could not speak a word of English for three days after that. So she had, a, she had an awesome experience with the Lord. And Pastor Branding recognized the touch of God and God's hand on her life. And he told her that, Helen, I saw you singing in front of a, thousands of people all around the world. But even despite this life-changing spiritual experience and her pastor's encouragement to pursue God's call, Helen still felt the pull of earthly fame. And then soon thereafter, one of her friends told, told her about the Municipal Opera came to, to St. Louis and was doing auditions. And so her friend told her that, so she went and signed up. And she sang, and she came in three. The, she came in third in her auditions. And all the bright lights and everything. And um, the next morning at church, one of the... Uh, Someone approached her and warned, be sure your sins will find you out. Because what she didn't realize is they had took, took her picture and posted it in the paper. And during that service that day, Helen repented of her desires and ambitions of worldly fame and glory and decided to consecrate her talents to the Lord. And she never uh, tried again to... To, for that worldly fame. But Hel Helen eventually became a, a singing evangelist. She traveled around the world sharing the gospel through preaching and song. She, was, she saw thousands receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Pastor Harry Branding's prophecy was fulfilled repeatedly through her life. In addition, Helen was frequently invited to sing at the annual general conference of the UPCI. Her, her children later recalled, we never saw our mother ever come to the platform to sing without the congregation coming to their feet in worship. 
And I, I did a little digging on, online, and I found Helen's obituary. And I, I, I kind of want to read it as I was trying to, trying to get to know her. It said in her obituary, and see, sometimes, you know, it's that part of our life. That's the final chapter of our story. That's the summary of our life. And here's what hers read. Helen Anderson Cole, a life of ministry began in 1939 when she held her first revival in Corinth, Mississippi, where 173 were baptized and 79 received the gift of the Holy Ghost, a ministry that surpassed her imaginations. She was licensed with the United Pentecostal Church International since 1945. She also assisted in pastoring and founding churches in Jackson, Michigan, Adrian, Michigan, Abion, Michigan, Huron, Michigan, or Huron, Illinois, Louisville, Kentucky, Parkersburg, West Virginia, and Battle Creek, Michigan. She was the president of the Kentucky UPCI Ladies Auxiliary from 1958 to 59 and was the West Virginia UPCI Ladies Secretary for over 10 years. Helen traveled the world preaching in over 41 countries. She was also known for her anointing singing, recorded 15 albums and five tapes, which has 20 recordings. Helen also authored two books. So she might not have got her name in marquees in this world. She might not have got, got her name in lights, but she did, I believe, get her name in that heavenly book and those heavenly lights. And all those souls that can point back to, to somebody that, that renounced the fame of this world. No doubt she probably could have been a great opera singer, but she gave all that and turned it over to the Lord. And, and that's what I want to talk about this morning is that giving, giving it all to God. I want to talk about the rich, rich young ruler. We know this man is rich, young ruler. While we cannot specify how young he was, how rich he was, and how vast uh, authority how, you know, how, how much authority that he wielded, we do have a reference that he was rich young ruler. And in studying, studying this, the scripture text I read didn't say the rich young ruler. That's kind of our title, our label. We're, we're good about labeling things and labeling people. But matter of fact, I had to go to all three gospels to pull all three of those things out because in in Matthew, Matthew saw his youthfulness. Matthew said, and one came, and then goes on to say the young man. Mark said, there came one running, so we know he must have been pretty young, and kneeled to him. Luke said, a certain ruler. So if you take all three of those accounts together, you get the rich young ruler. And sometimes in our life, Different people know us in different ways. They, they relate in different points about your life. Some people know him for his riches. Some people know him, oh, he's, he's one of our young people. He's one of our young men. He's one of our, you know, he's, his youthfulness. And others relate to, oh, he's, he's inherited. He's a ruler of such and such kingdom. He's, he's part of that family. And, it, uh, and if you want to know, Anybody around here, you can talk to Brother Mark Pitts, and he can probably give you the background on them. 
he's not here, and I don't see him. Brother Mark, you in the building? I guess he's not. Y'all tell him that I was talking about him, so maybe he'll come defend himself next time. If I talk about him, leave somebody else alone. <clears throat> Brother Mays. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, we, we know people in different aspects of their life. But this was his labels or his characteristics. But one thing we do know that, that he did, you know, he, he came to God. And he came to Jesus and said, good master. So he came to him with respect. He said, good master, what must I do? You know, so we do know that, you know, he was, he was striving. And I think this what kind of threw the, and I'm probably getting kind of out of, out of line with my notes, but getting ahead of myself. But that's probably what threw the disciples off just a little bit was, hey, here's this guy that's got everything seemingly going for him, and he's asking the right questions. He, he's addressing the Lord and Savior, because I'm not sure there's very many rulers at that time that came to Jesus and said, good master. So he was, you know, he was asking the right questions, and he had a desire, and he had a a lack in his life. He then he asked Jesus that should what should be on everyone's mind. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And notice I, I kind of underline the word inherit because we know he was rich, young, and a ruler. We know he didn't work for all that. We know he didn't just earn that kingdom. We know that he had to inherit it because it had to be in the family line. So that's how he approached the world. He was born into that stuff. So that's prompted his, he knew he didn't have everything. To the world, he looked like he had everything. But there was something in his heart, something he knew he didn't have. But his way, his understanding of how to get things was, how do, how do I earn it? How do I inherit it? How do I be eligible for this? So it probably threw him off when Jesus told him, you know, what he needed to do. You know, despite the distractions of youth, wealth, and power, this young man appeared to have an intense interest in spiritual matters. He also recognized that Jesus had the answer to his question. Sadly, though, the rich young ruler's entrance was, walk, was marked with far more excite, excitement than his exit. And, and we need to look at that today. It's not necessarily just how we come to the Lord. It's how we leave his presence. It's what we take away. And today, you might have come in a hurry. You come eager and excited. And when the word goes forth, what's most important is how you going how we react and what we take away from what the word of the lord's is going to say today it's how we leave the presence of the lord not what we had coming in but we what we take away going out god's kingdom is is about giving and serving and not buying and having when jesus even jesus's disciples were shocked and challenged by, by Jesus' words. Those, those who live in, in the culture of where affluence is widespread, Jesus cut right to the heart of the matter that God's kingdom is not about 
having, buying, and having, and getting. It's about giving, selling, and giving, and, and sharing. Eternal life and the one thing that you lack today. You may have everything in this world, but there will be an empty hole in your heart. There'll be something that you lack, and you'll know it, just like this young man knew that there was something that he lacked. Jesus responded to the rich young ruler's questions with a question of his own. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. In Mark 10 and 18, Jesus challenged the young man to consider what he really believed about the one he was addressing. You know, he addressed him with respect and that he was a good master. And Jesus said, okay, there's really not one good, one good but one, and that's God. In other words, did he believe that I'm God, that I can supply this eternal life that you're asking for or not? And, and so our belief in God is directly tied to whether or not he's going to meet our need. A revelation of who he is is tied to answering that question of lack in our life. If, if we do not comprehend who Jesus really is, we will be unable to fully commit everything in our lives to him. The rich ruler's reaction revealed he really did not know who Jesus was. Because, as we know later on, he went away, went away sad. Jesus told a young man that he needed to keep the commandments. And of course, a smile broke forth on his face. He said, I, I did all that for my youth. I've got that. Check. 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 And then it, it prompted him. And then after noting that he had kept the commandments, Jesus listed the young man had one more question. And this, I believe that was in Matthew. Yeah, Matthew 19 and 20. The young man said, what lack I yet? And despite a lifetime of commandment keeping, the rich ruler recognized something was missing. His youth, his wealth, and power had not filled the emptiness inside him. He realized that there was something that he lacked. Of course, he wasn't willing to do what Jesus told him that he needed to do, which was to give give all and be 100% committed. You know, and I... you know. And looking, looking around, um, you know, it's not, it's not what he did, it's what he didn't do. There was an old country song written by Steve Warner that said, not what I did, it's what I didn't do. Of course, I know he's talking about his, his love relationship. It wasn't the things that he did that was his problem, it was the things he didn't do. He didn't tell his wife he loved her, didn't, these things that caused avoiding his relationship. So this young man... It wasn't necessarily what he did. It's what he didn't do. And sometimes we need, we need to take a look, look around at our relationship. If we've checked all the boxes, but it seems like we have a desire inside something, and seems like we lack something, maybe we need to just check around. Maybe it's what we're not doing. It's not the things that we are doing. Those checked off, those are good. And not, not that we shouldn't do them. And, and when, when Jesus was admonishing the Pharisees, 
they said, oh, we tithe on mint, and we, we do all this and this. And he said, well, it's not that you shouldn't do those things, but you need to have love and compassion. You need, you need to, there's some more things you need to do. So today, if you feel yourself lacking, don't just look at what you're doing. Look at what you're not doing. That might be bringing, bringing your lack in your life. <clears throat> it's not what you have. It's not what, who you are. It's not what you've, you've done. But it is what you do about what you lack this morning. You know, all those things probably won't make a whole lot of difference in this service, but if you'll find that thing that you lack and you do something about it in this service, it's going to determine how you walk out of here, how you leave here. Your, the way you leave is, is so important this morning. You know, and, 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 and in studying this, you know, we, we need to heed the call of Jesus to, to totally surrender in our lives. And... The young man rejected Jesus' direction. But you see, love is not afraid to speak the truth. Jesus, you know, could have told, told him, oh, everything's okay, you're, you've done all these things, just keep on doing what you're doing. But no, Jesus told the young man, and he loved him. The Bible said that he loved him, and he loved him enough to tell him what was missing in his life. One thing thou lackest, Jesus said, go thy way. And he tells him the hard thing. Sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor, that thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. So, you know, a true friend will tell you the truth. Like if you got something on your nose, maybe a booger or something. A true friend will come up beside you and say, hey, man. And uh, <laughs> Brother Josh, I apologize. Last or a couple of Sundays ago, he had a little bit of donut right here, and I th I thought it was a cold sore, and he was talking to me, and I you know I I, I kind of looked at it, and then I looked away, but I, I didn't you know want to stare you know because sometimes we have I'm bad about getting ingrown whiskers and stuff, and I don't want somebody sitting there look talking to me staring so, and I'm talking, and somebody I don't forgot who it was, brother Jake Jones or somebody walked or brother Evan, one of y'all too or somebody walked up beside and said, hey brother, you got something on your lip right there. Y'all were a true friend. But for my defense, I can't see very well. But, but anyway, it was just, just a little piece of donut glaze, and uh, it wasn't a cold sore like I suspected. And see, I wasn't a true friend that day because I'd have let him walk around all day think something on his lip. So a true friend will really tell you the truth about the situation. Just like my mother-in-law the other night, I cooked some uh, steaks uh, for Garrett's birthday, and she don't like the big, thick fillets like we like. She don't like any pink in them. So I got them some ribeyes. And, of course, their pastor knows they're much fattier and they burn a little quicker. <laughs> but I, I get them the ribeyes, good tender ribeyes, so that they're more done inside. Well, I got distracted putting Annie's little bicycle for her birthday together. And um, I put the ribeyes on first because my dad likes likes uh he don't like them thick either he likes them so i give him one he had to go to a revival service so i put his on early well as we were putting the bicycle together my grill caught on fire and it kind of got him a little toasty 
Well, I thought I'd give, I guess I'd give Dad the, the better one. And I thought I'd give my sister Faye, my mother-in-law, a good one. It looked good on the outside. <laughs> but she's a true friend. She's a great mother-in-law. After everybody would eat, you know, and Garrett said, man, that was delicious. I, I kind of asked her, oh, my head kind of swelled. That's great. Get, get that from him, you know. And uh, I, asked, I asked Sister Faye, I said, uh, how was my steak? And she kind of, she, she didn't really grin. She didn't really say what I wanted her to say, but she looked at me as a true friend would. She said, well, it kind of was a little burnt. It was the texture. Something about the texture of it wasn't too good. <laughs> so I apologized and uh, told her I'll cook her a better one next time. But, but that's, that, that's what Jesus was to this young man. He, he was a friend, and he had love and compassion. He told him the truth. And people that's closer to you can tell you the truth. So that, that's important in our life that we get the truth from people that we desire. And, w- and when you ask if you're a true friend, don't be surprised if they tell you the true answer. And, uh, but it'll help you improve. It'll help you improve your life. And um, the rich young ruler was not ready to accept the level of commitment. His life was so full of material abundance that he had no margin left for serving others. Maintaining his stuff, growing his wealth, consumed his life. Although the rich ruler did not realize that Jesus was offering him freedom from the tyranny of too much. You know, we can have that in our lives, just too much going on in our life. That he couldn't totally sell out to Jesus because he had all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, and I, I thought of the story when I was reading this, and talking about, um, you know, Jesus, to, to accept more from the Lord, what you like, you, you have to, Set them things aside, a lot of good things, sometimes good things. They may not necessarily be wrong, but you might need to set them aside. Um, I, I remember Brother Jimmy Tony uh, preaching the message back in the old building, in the old days. Uh, is he guest or is he host? Talking about the place of Jesus in your life. How many remember when he set the, the chairs up there? He, he, and he talked about it wasn't. That Jesus wasn't in your life. He just wasn't in first chair. He wasn't the host of the party. He was just a guest of the party. He, he comes in when we invite him. And I've got the CD if anybody wants to hear it done the right way and told the right way. But that was an awesome. As a matter of fact, during our fast, every year we do our media fast, I go back and grab old CDs, and that's one of the ones that I go back and re-listen to, and I get something new every time I, I listen to it, but it ministers to me. It's like, hey, not only do we need Jesus in our lives, we need him first place in our life. And Jesus is a gentleman. He won't butt to the front of the line. He waits to be invited up. But anyway, more on that later, and if, if y'all, y'all want that CD, just let me know, and I can get you a copy of it. But, um, but it's... But what, what I was wanting to talk about was that sometimes to get more of the, what God has for us, we have to get rid of something that's taking its place. 
and I, I, I thought about the story when, when Ashley was a toddler. Rhonda loves, how many knows Sister Rhonda loves fruit? And she loves oranges, navel oranges. And, and there was a, um, a school fundraiser that she bought a box of these navel oranges and had them in the box. And when Ashley was a little toddler, she, she went around and she picked up them big old oranges and thought they was balls. Me and bowl them across the floor and play with them. Well, I got tickled. She'd pick up one, uh, an orange, and she'd reach over and to grab another orange. This one would fall out of her hands, and she'd get another. Well, she'd try to hold two or three oranges. Well, they were so big that she could only hold one at a time, and she couldn't hold them. And um, so, so I rolled her little shirt up and put two or three in there, and she could kind of walk around with those with those oranges but it kind of spoke to me then it's like sometimes we're like that with the lord we we can't hold everything and we won't let go of what we already have and we try to get something else it won't fit so one of the two has to go and and spiritually we're that way and i think this was why this young man was is he had so much going on he was in hold and control and grasp of that Jesus presented him like, okay, if you really want my life, you want eternal life, then you're going to have to let go of the good life down here to get the good life up there. There's some things that you're going to have to let go of the grasp of. Now, I don't necessarily believe that the Lord is just telling everybody to go put everything up on Facebook Marketplace today. But um, I think... think he is saying that we need to, to make room for the Lord, and we need to be all in. We need to give, give to the Lord. But, um, you know, I, and I was thinking about um, char- characteristics of, of people, and us, us men in particular, we, we like to be fixed. We like to fix it ourselves. We like to, you know, be in control of it. All the men say amen. But uh, um, a few Sundays ago, Brother Joe Rains um, was needing to tape on some reservation signs on the back of our, our uh, seats. And so he came back and he, he asked me. He come over to the sound booth and peeked his head over the wall and he said, Hey, is there... Do you, do you have some uh, clear tape so I can tape these on the back? And so uh, immediately I, I scanned, I just looked down, I was kind of running sound, and I looked around, and my eyes fell on, there was some duct tape. And so I grabbed that roll of duct tape, and Sister Cindy, you put that uh, picture up there? Yeah, I've seen that duct tape right there. Anybody see anything wrong with that picture? <laughs> Brother Joe asked me for some clear tape, and I said, no, I don't have anybody. I got this duct tape right here. So I handed him the duct tape over the wall, and he went and tape, taped on, which I think is actually gaff tape, but in my mind it's duct tape. Fix anything with that right there. Um, but Noah probably had some of that on the art in case for leaks, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so he comes back. Joe comes back, and he goes to set, set it back down on the counter, he sets it down, and he starts laughing, and he points and picking at me. He said, brother, are you blind? Or something like that. I said, no, why? He said, there's some clear tape right there. 
So I had looked over the need. I had looked over the request, and my eyes fell at what, I, what was familiar to me, that I could fix it all with that right there, that I could fix it. And sometimes as, as men, we, we look at what we're familiar with, what we know how to fix with, what's, you know, we're not too aware and alert, and, and maybe look over the, the actual request or the need. But I, I'm thankful that the Lord looks beyond my faults and sees my need. <laughs> he looks beyond what I lack, and he, he touches me. But, uh, but Jesus, you know, calls for a radical selflessness. Jesus did not ask the rich young ruler to do something that him, he himself was unwilling to do. See, Jesus had already laid aside heaven and came to earth. So he had already laid aside all the riches of heaven and walked on this earth. So Jesus is not going to ask you to do something that he hadn't already done today. Matter of fact, he does it first. So he don't require anything more than he would do himself. But I do believe he was emphasizing to his disciples and also this young man that, that we couldn't do it all by ourselves. That, um, you know, and because he, he went on to say that it, it was so hard, it was like a camel going through the needle's eye. And I know we've all heard that that, that, is, that, that is a representation of uh, a camel going through this small gate that had to bend down to get through there that leaves still some possibility. But I kind of think, and this lesson kind of states, that maybe Jesus wasn't really saying, hey, that you can still do it on your own. This might be a little, <clears throat> a little difficult. I think what he was really saying, it's impossible. I think maybe he was really saying a needle. <laughs> it can't happen in this life. Because, it, because the disciples understood him. They walked with him every day, and they knew his language. They understood him. And so they understood him enough to know that they started questioning. They were questioning beyond measure. They were highly confused. And he's like, well, if this guy can't do it, he seems to have everything going on for him. He's asking all the right questions. And... And we all know that a lot of times people say, well, that the riches of this life is from the favor of the Lord. Why in the world are we going to make it? But then Jesus goes on to tell them that with you it's impossible. But with God, all things is possible. In other words, and I, I think he said, but with me it's, it's possible. Because he asked that young man, there ain't none good but one. He was emphasizing, hey, if I'm really the one, I can really make this eternal life thing happen because it's not possible the way you want it to happen. It's impossible. But with me, with God, all things are possible. With Jesus, all things are possible. With Jesus, eternal life and salvation is possible. It's not impossible. And matter of fact, Peter's like, whoa, wait a minute. We've done give up all this stuff. What's in it for us? 
you know, you're telling him he's got to do this. We done did that. And Jesus went on to say, hey, hundredfold in this life, all these things you give up, I'm giving back to you. In this life, of course, there's going to be some persecutions with it. He, he, he didn't leave that out. He, didn't, he don't give on false impressions. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm here to tell you today that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it don't come without opposition from the adversary. It don't come without persecutions and things. In other words, it, it's better in this life and in the life to come, but there's some things, so no false pretense and no false advertisement here. You know, you get the Holy Ghost and walk out, and you're not miraculously going to go to work the next day and everything be gravy and nobody's going to give you a problem on the job or you're not ever going to have a flat tire again. You're not ever going to have a, uh, a dryer go out like I did uh, last weekend, weekend before last, and I had to replace my heater core in it, or heater coil in it. Just because I had the Holy Ghost didn't mean that wasn't going to happen, but it does mean that we're going to be blessed in this life and the next one to come, and we'll have true eternal life coming from him if well, whatever we if we give him all give give everything but uh <clears throat> but see jesus made himself of no reputation the call to follow jesus is a call of radical selflessness it is a call to put others first to seek god's kingdom above all else even if it means abandoning what we previously held dear. You see, <clears throat> Jesus, he didn't, um, God didn't say that it, that we would, we would be omnipotent or omniscient because he was. He said to be holy because he was holy. God doesn't ask us to be all powerful and all knowing. He don't, he don't expect us. And I'm so thankful. How many is thankful that's not the requirement? What if, what if that young ruler would have come up there and Jesus, and he said, well, what, what, what do I need to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you need to know everything like me. He didn't do it. Thankful he didn't. Because we can't, even as smart as Google is, it can't know everything. We can't know everything. Or what if he said, hey, you have to have conquered everything, every, every other kingdom, and I know you're a ruler, you have to have conquered everybody. You have to be all powerful in all kingdoms. Nope, he didn't require that. He didn't. Ask, but but Jesus did tell us that, that we need to be holy, for he he was holy. <clears throat> because, you know, he does give us power. But but power is not a requirement for our salvation. Power comes from him. Because in Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, <clears throat> I'm going to read it. Well, said I would. Luke chapter 10, there it is. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice your names are written in heaven. So we shouldn't just rejoice that we have power over, over the spirits 
God gives us power, but we need to rather rejoice that our names are written, that we have that eternal life that this young, rich young ruler was so desirous of. But the dangers of trusting in riches, it's impossible to earn salvation. But with God, all things are possible. Sometimes we can be ensnared by the abundance of this life. We see Jesus offers an antidote to the affliction of affluence. He gives us an antidote for being too busy in life. If we can just sell out to him and give to him. <clears throat> the blessings God's give in return will always be far greater than our original sacrifice. Best of all, Jesus promised that his followers would experience eternal life in the world to come. <clears throat> we cannot carry a cross for Jesus and carry the baggage of this world. At the same time, we must abandon one for the other. And as Pastor said, let me see if I... Wednesday night, and I guess I'm going to paraphrase what he said, was that, um, are we willing to release what we have in our hand to grasp what God has for us? And I'm paraphrasing. I know I didn't get exactly the way he said it. And he also went on to say, you can't expect God to trust you with, big dream, with a big dream if he can't trust you with a small start. And I don't know if he'd been pre-reading this lesson, which I know he hadn't because he didn't even know I was going to do this week's because me and Brother Bryce had to switch because of his, his schedule. So pastor didn't even know it to pre-read it. So I know the Lord was speaking that God wasn't going to trust us with the big dreams if we can't, he couldn't trust us with a small start. And this kind of highlights that and, and, and emphasizes that, the reaction of this rich young ruler. He, he couldn't obtain eternal life because he couldn't be trusted with the start that Jesus told the command that Jesus gave him. He said he went away sorrowful. And that's a check for us today. When God's word comes, are we going to leave joyful that, hey, we've left everything on the altar. We've left everything that's, that's holding us back. We've traded what we have for what God has. Are we going to hold on to what we got and go away sorrowful? You ever heard of buyer's remorse? There's also a thing called seller's remorse. Not selling when you might should have. Um, which I almost got into this just, uh, and I talked to Brother Tim Vess about building prices and things like that. Um, I kind of had this decision, was I going to sell to get the new one, there was there was some land to come up right here on Iron Man Road. Um, of course, Ashley is a realtor, so if anybody needs to buy or sell anything, y'all contact Ashley. But she called and said, "Hey, I know you were kind of interested in some land before this just came on the market, and it was over here on Iron Man Road." And I started going through the pros and cons. 
She said, I think we can sell your house and you'll be able to, uh, um, to buy this property and, and, and pay it off and be, be debt free. And, but the, it was just land and it had a nice big 100 by 50 by 100 uh, metal barn building that they had kind of an apartment kind of built in it. It was, of course, my sister Rhonda was saying, yeah, I can live in that probably for about six months while we build a new one. <laughs> but, you know, and I, I was, sometimes I'm a little bit stubborn and hard to make decisions. Anyway, long story longer, <laughs> um, it, somebody had cash, didn't have to sell their property, and they wound up with the offer. But we did put an offer in. But I did have to make that decision. Well, okay, do I? Because I like where I'm at. There's a few things I don't like, but I wish I had some land. If I could take my house that I have now and put it in some land somewhere, I'd really, really be happy. But did I want to sell out and, and buy and be debt-free? And then as I was studying, it's like, hmm, you know, yeah, I think I would. <laughs> but uh, that, that one kind of got away from me, but. That's a decision sometimes we have to make. Do you want to let go of what you got and accept what he has? And if you're relying on your riches and your status, um, you won't get there like that. You can't ha have both. You can't rely on yourself and rely on God. But I pray today that um, and it's 1049, I guess, the class dismisses so pick your kids up but I hope something I said today kind of talked to your heart I know we might not especially relate to a rich young ruler but maybe we can relate to the disciples and the, the kingdom mindedness of, of God and his promises or right, if you wouldn't you, you be dismissed and stand and be dismissed